glad you're here today. Well, I'm so glad, really, because uh, today marks a, uh, a start, a new start, for a six-week sermon series. Do, do I have your commitment right now? You're going to be here all six weeks. All right, fantastic. Wonderful. That's what I wanted to hear. I've entitled this sermon series, The Incredibles. The Incredibles. How many of y'all have seen that animated movie, The Incredibles? Raise your hand. Well, at least that's more than the first service, all right? First service, you know, none of those old people had seen the movie. And I said, you go rent the movie and watch the movie, The Incredibles. It happens to be, that movie right there happens to be my family's favorite movie, I think, of all times. We can be watching it and uh, my kids will say the words before the characters say the words, all right? And not just my kids, my wife does. She loves The Incredibles. Oh, thank you, Jason. It's a great movie. It really is. It really, what The Incredibles is about is this family of superheroes that go around saving the world. Because, you know, that's what superheroes do, right? They save the world. Or at least they make the world a better place to live. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about The Incredibles, that is, God's superheroes. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, all right? So you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at what God can do through ordinary you. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about winners. It's God's hall of fame. These were just ordinary people who accomplished extraordinary achievements. None of them were perfect, and they often failed but all of them reached their goal, the purpose that God made them for. And because of that, they became God's superheroes. And my purpose for preaching this series out of Hebrews chapter 11 is that I want you to see you can be a superhero too. God can do some pretty amazing things through ordinary people who say yes to Him. This morning we're going to start by looking at Moses, uh, who happened to be probably the greatest man in the Old Testament. Moses is the guy that received the Ten Commandments from God himself. Moses was the man who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. We call them the Pentateuch. Actually, they are the foundation that the rest of the Bible was written upon. He was the man who led the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity and slavery. I'm here to tell you, Moses was a superhero. He was a great man. And you may wonder, well, why was God able to use Moses so effectively? Well, I think it was simply because Moses settled some basic questions in his life, like, who am I? What are my choices? What is really important in life? And what are my goals? We see that here in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. All right, here we go. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. 
Lord, help us to be your superheroes today. Help us to live our life in such a way as to bring praise, honor, and glory to you. Lord, we love you. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are. We're going to talk about the four secrets of an effective life. If you really want to become God's superhero, these four things need to happen in your life. Number one, you need to be the person God made you to be. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But there's a whole lot of truth to it. You need to be the person God made you to be. Don't try to be somebody else. God made you the way you are for a reason. You have a purpose in life. God has a specific plan for you. And there is nobody that can be you except you. Right? Moses had to deal with this right off the bat in his life. Really, Moses had an identity crisis at a pretty young age. Uh, before he was born, the Pharaoh of Egypt looked out over the Israelites who were their slaves building pyramids. And he saw that they were multiplying at a pretty rapid pace. And so he afflicted them. But the Bible says the more affliction that Pharaoh put on the Israelites, the greater they grew, the more of them that were born. And Pharaoh was freaking out because he thought if they get much bigger, they're going to take over my kingdom and we will eventually turn into their slaves. So he made an edict. The most powerful man on the earth said, we're going to kill all the baby Israelite boys. When a baby boy is born, he's thrown into the Nile River. The girls get to live. Does that make you women happy? I mean, praise the Lord. Thank goodness for being a girl, huh? But the boys were going to be killed. Well, about that time, a, a Levite man and a Levite woman got married. They had a little baby, and guess what? It was a boy. But they loved their baby boy. They saw something special in him, and Mama said, I'm not going to throw my baby in the Nile. And so for three months, she hid him. Do you know how hard it is to hide a baby? Eh? Pretty tough. She was only able to do it three months, and, and then she couldn't hide him any longer. So she made this little basket. Uh, she put the little baby in the basket, put the lid on the basket, and then had Big Sister take the basket to the Nile River and float it in the water. She knew that Pharaoh's daughter came every day to take a bath in the Nile. And sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter came. She saw the basket, lifted the lid. There was the baby crying. She fell in love with the baby. She says, oh, I've got to save this baby. And so she adopted Moses as her own, and he was raised in the Egyptian palace. So Moses has this identity crisis. He was born Jewish, but he was raised Egyptian. And he had to decide at some point in his life, who am I? Really, who am I? This was quite an important choice <laughs> because it would determine the rest of his life. If he said, I'm an Egyptian and faked his heritage, he would live a life of ease. He would have an outstanding career. He was in line to be the next Pharaoh. He would have fame and fortune and the world would be at his hand. However, if he said what he really was, I am Jewish, he would be humiliated, kicked out of the palace, and sent to live with a bunch of slaves for the rest of his life. However, Moses saw his people 
badly mistreated his slaves. One day he looked out and he saw the Egyptians beating an Israelite. And you know what? He couldn't take it any longer. He couldn't be silent. He was a man of character and he was a man of integrity. So he made a decision that day that cost him the next 80 years of his life. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. The word refused is interesting. It literally means to reject, to deny, or to totally disown. So Moses cut himself off from a promising career as an Egyptian, and he refused to live a lie. Instead, he wanted to do what God had made him to do. Did you know that there is something that is really liberating when you become the person God made you to be? The quickest way to an ulcer is to try to be somebody you're not. If you want to live an effective life, step number one, be the person God made you to be. Say yes to the plan that God has for your life. That's the way you become a superhero. Number two, if you want to be a superhero, accept responsibility for your own life. Now here's where it gets good, all right? You need to accept responsibility for your own life. Verse 24, we see Moses refusing. He refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, we see Moses choosing. He refused and then he made a choice. Verse 25 says, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. The word chose means to select, to decide, to make a decision. And that's exactly what Moses did. Now, folks, get this, okay? You with me? I, I tell you this. I am much more excited about this than you are. I can tell that. Let, let's get on the edge of our seat right now, right? Because we all want to become superheroes, right? And there's a principle here that you need to see. The negative is followed by the positive. The negative, he refused, that's a negative, but then he made a choice, and the choice was good. You know, there are a lot of people who believe that Christianity is just a list of, of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. They think that all God ever says is, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and you know, I guess I can understand where that, that comes from, because when I was a kid, I was told that a lot. You know, don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or go with girls who do. My dad drilled that into my head, man, you know? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. well, I don't know, it's debatable. But anyway, nah, come on, I'm seeing if you're awake, are you? Yeah, a lot of people think that Christian church people, you can't do anything. That's not the way it is. Here's what God says. God says, whenever I take something negative out of your life, I'm going to replace it with something that is positive. I'm going to give you back something that's better. You see the refusing, and then you see the choosing. So Christianity is not a negative religion with just a bunch of don'ts. When God says to you, no, don't. Don't do that. Understand He's going to do something and give you something that is much better in its place. And, and here, okay, I'm doing something new today. This is a parenthesis. 
Right? I've got a parenthesis for you. Right? I'm going to say this and I'll come back to it in a minute. But here's the parentheses. Don't be blaming other people for your messed up life. Okay? Don't blame other people for your life. Don't say it's not my fault. Because you know what? Ultimately, it probably is. Don't be blaming. Do something about it. Do something about it. Decide to change. The fact is, I have choices I can make in my life, and so do you. God has given us that freedom. You know why we have free will on our sign? That's what we are. God gave us a free will. God has given us the ability and the, the choice we get to decide. And when I choose today, and what I choose today, is going to determine my life tomorrow. That is called accepting responsibility for your own life. And the Bible teaches that people who accept responsibility for their own life tend to lead effective lives because God blesses that. Now in verse 23, as a baby, God chose Moses. Do you see that? By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So, God chose Moses when Moses was a baby, but then Moses grew up. And when Moses grew up in verse 25, it says that he chose God. Isn't that cool? God chose Moses when he was a baby, and then when Moses matured and grew up and figured out what life was about, he chose God. Now here's something even cooler than that. God chose you. Before you were even born, God chose you. God has a plan for your life. Believe it or not, God wants you to be one of His superheroes. The question is, have you chosen God? Some of you need to make that choice today. Now, when did Moses make that decision? Verse 24 tells us that he made it when he had grown up or when he had become of age. Really, one of the marks of maturity in life is when you begin to accept responsibility for your own decisions. I'm coming back to my parentheses now. When you stop playing the blame game and when you grow up and accept responsibility for your own life. You know what? Our society loves to let us pack past the buck. Don't they? It's kind of in vogue now. You don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. I mean, it can be everybody else's fault, but not your fault. It's not your fault, but blame your teachers. Blame the environment. Blame your parents. There are a lot of excuses out there. When you were a little baby, your mama held your head under the water in the bathtub so long that it's caused you to have all these repressed emotions. No wonder you're raping and pillaging all over the land. It's not your fault. Yeah, that was meant to be funny, and only a few of you got it. But really, isn't that what our world says? All kinds of excuses. Here's the bottom line. You cannot blame somebody else for the direction of your life. Now, I understand sometimes situations occur in your life, and you get a bum deal. And it's no fault of your own. Okay? We've got a guy in our church. In fact, he's on our church staff. He was involved in an automobile accident years ago, and it changed his life. Really. 
I mean, he's had so many surgeries, I can't even keep up with them all. He lost his job. Everything in his life changed. It was a bum deal. You know, he couldn't control that. But you know what he can do? He can control the way he responds to that. But I would say for the biggest part of us, the reason our lives are so messed up is because we've made some pretty bad choices. We've made some decisions that weren't too good. You know what? You can't blame anybody else for the direction of your life. And at the same time, understand this. You cannot live off of somebody else's spiritual commitment. You have to make your own decisions. I hear people say all the time, well, you know what, my, my parents are Christians. My wife is a believer. My granddaddy was a preacher. Well, you know what, that's great. That's awesome. But you have to make a personal commitment on your own. It's your decision. It's your choice. And Moses, when he grew up, made that decision. He made an act of responsibility. Really, I don't want to, I need to get off this, but I just can't. So bear with me for a minute. Let me get it out of my system, okay? The fact of the matter is, nobody can ruin your life ultimately except you. Satan can't. You're thinking, no, Brother Will, I know what I'm saying. Satan can't ruin your life. Satan can give you the avenues to do it, but Satan doesn't have that power. God won't do it because God loves you. So ultimately, the only person who can totally and permanently mess up your life is you. If you want to be effective in life, number one, be the person God made you to be, and number two, accept responsibility for your life and start making some good decisions. Like Moses did, you make some good choices. No matter what's happened to you in the past, no matter what's happened to you in the past six months, have the freedom today to choose how to respond to that. Make the right decision. You can either become bitter or you can become better. The choice is yours. Your happiness will be determined by your character in life, and your character is determined by the choices that you make. So, make a choice today. Be the person God made you to be. And number two, accept responsibility for your life. Number three, if you want to be a superhero, establish a value system for your life. You, really, you have to settle this issue of what's really important in my life. What am I willing to live for and what am I willing to die for? It's not something you decide haphazardly. You need to give it some serious thought. What is really important to me? This is what Moses did. He clarified his own values. He thought it out. Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures in Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. That word regarded literally means to weigh in the balance, to consider the options, to evaluate the worth. And what this is saying is, is simply this. Moses considered God's will of greater value than all the treasures in Egypt. That's something. We need to set up our own value system. So I'm going to ask you, what are your values in life? What is it that you value in life? What, what are you willing to live for or die for? 
For example, I've discovered that if, if you don't determine what's valuable in, in your life, somebody else is going to do it for you. If you don't decide how you're going to use your time, other people will decide that for you. If you don't decide how you're going to spend your money, other people will make that decision for you. You need to determine your values in life. What's really important? And by the way, the world has a totally different set of values than God does. The world values other things. I could belabor this point. I'm not going to. I'm just going to sum it up in three, three words. Here, here is the world's value system. Here's what the world values. Pleasure. In fact, that was available to Moses, verse 24. Really, I, I want to feel good. The second thing the world values is possessions. Verse 25, I want to be wealthy. I want to make a lot of money. I want to have things all around me. The third thing the world values is power. I want to be famous. I want to be well-known, influential, popular. That's what the world is all about. I want to have power, prestige, and position. And most of the world are frantically searching for these things in life because it's their value system. Really, it's kind of humorous by the world's standards. If you take those three things, when you look at Moses, he had it made in Egypt. Really, everything that people are looking for today, Moses had in Egypt. Power, pleasure, possessions. He had all of those things. All three of those things were wrapped up in the royalty that came from Egypt. Yet Moses walked away from it all to go live with a bunch of slaves. Now you tell me, who would be silly enough to do something like that? Well, somebody with a different value system. Really, Moses came to the realization that there were things that were a whole lot more important than power and possessions and pleasures. And Moses was not satisfied with the things of this world that do not last. He wanted something better. So let me share with you what Moses valued. Here, here is Moses' value system that we see in the Word of God. Really, Moses decided three things. And, and, and really, this is why we remember Moses today, because he decided these three things, that, that this is what his life would be about. Hey, had he not made this decision, he would just be some mummy in King Tut's tomb. We wouldn't even know who Moses is today. Here's his value system. Number one, Moses decided that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity and the power that comes from that. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, do you think that title, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, had any perks that went along with it? You think it was a prestige statement? You better believe it was. He was second in command in line to be Pharaoh. He was big man on campus. He, he was the big man at the pyramids. I mean, other people bowed down before him. He had all kinds of popularity. He had the kind of popularity that we look at today and say, you know what, I'd give my right arm for that. Wow, if I could just be like Moses. But Moses knew that popularity doesn't last. And this is what he said, I would rather be a slave fulfilling God's purpose than to be the king of Egypt. I would rather be doing God's will, God's way, 
than by having all the power that this world can give you. He said God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. His second value is this. People are more valuable than pleasures. Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, and at that time they were slave labor in Egypt building the pyramids rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Now this is incredible. Guys, listen, this is incredible. Moses chose pain over pleasure. Moses chose discomfort over ease. Why? Because he said people are more valuable than pleasures. He was on easy street. He lived a life of luxury. But one day he looked out and he saw an Egyptian beating up one of his brother Hebrews. He heard the cries from his slave people friends. His nation, where he was really from, he heard the cries of these people. And he said, you know what? People are more important than pleasure. So in order to do the right thing, he chose discomfort over comfort. Why? Because he knew that pleasure, just like popularity, does not last any significant period of time. Now the world offers pleasure. In fact, this verse talks about it. Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen to me. Sin is fun. No response. You can't believe I said that. It is. Listen to me. If sin were a bummer, nobody would be doing it. It's fun. Even the Bible says there is pleasure in sin. But it only lasts a short time. You can have your kicks, but you're going to get the kick back. Huh? There is pleasure in sin, no doubt about it, but you know what? You will reap what you have sown, and the payoff is not worth the pleasure. It's not worth it. So Moses said, you know what? I'm going to go with the people of God because people are more important than pleasures, and God's purpose is more important in popularity. His third value is simply this. God's peace is more valuable than possessions. There's really something in life that is more important than the things of this world. There is a wonderful peace of mind and heart that comes about you, a, a satisfaction, a sense of fulfillment when you know that you are smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. There is an unbelievable peace that comes along with knowing you are doing what God made you to do. Let me tell you something. It's priceless. It's priceless. You cannot purchase lasting happiness. We Americans think that the Constitution says life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. <laughs> but it doesn't because you can't buy it. That's why Moses said... I don't want pleasure, I don't want possessions, they don't last. He was taking the long look. Okay, He was taking the long look. Problem is, so many of us have so much to live on and so little to live for. Jesus said a man's life does not consist 
in the abundance of the things he possesses. Yet we will live our entire lives acting as if that's not true. Really, it's absolutely amazing that Moses gave up the very things that most people spend their entire lives trying to accomplish and achieve. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he reject power and pleasure and possessions? Verse 26 tells us, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Really, the next key word in Moses' life is that word looking. He was looking ahead. In the Greek, the word means a continuous action. Really, he had a greater perspective than just the here and now. He was living in light of eternity. And that brings me to step four to become God's superhero. Never take your eyes off the goal. Really, he was looking ahead beyond the here and now. It's a continuous action. He kept on looking. Moses was a man of vision. He had eyes of faith. He continuously visualized his goal. He was persistent. He was focused. He constantly kept that goal in front of him. Verse 27 says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He endured or persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Guys, I mean, this is an amazing verse. It tells us that Moses saw Jesus Christ before Jesus Christ came to earth. He saw him who is invisible, and he never took his eyes off of Jesus. Wow. One other word I want you to see in verse 27 is that word endured, persevered. Really, five key words make up Moses' life that we looked at today. He refused, he chose, he regarded, he saw, and he endured. I think you could really summarize Moses' entire life by those, that, that last word, these two words, he endured. He really did. He endured. What did he endure? He endured enormous things. You tell you, he endured two million spiritual babies crying all the time, griping about everything when all he was trying to do is save their bacon. He put up with all kinds of complaints. I mean, these people were worse than Baptist. They griped about everything. You fed them, they even griped. He endured a faithless generation. I, I don't know how he kept from getting discouraged. Do you? For 14,600 days. 40 years, every day, he asked God, Lord, are we there yet? <laughs> God said, no. How do you overcome that kind of discouragement? There's only one way you can do it, guys. Listen to me. You never take your eyes off the goal. You keep your eyes on Jesus. I want to end this sermon in this chapter with the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 12. Let's see how the next chapter begins. Chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... What's he talking about? He's talking about all the heroes we just read about over in Hebrews chapter 11. God's hall of fame. 
all of these great men and women, these superheroes of the faith. He says, therefore, in light of all these people who have gone on before you, you run your race. You run the race that is set before you. And let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured, same word, endured the cross. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus Christ and Moses did the same thing. They endured. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus looked beyond the problem and He saw the results. Jesus looked beyond the pain and He saw the eventual profit. He went to the cross not because it was going to be comfortable hanging on the cross. He went to the cross because He knew that as a result of His sacrifice, it would mean the salvation of many. And Jesus knew what Moses knew. People are more important than pleasures. I'm telling you, this Moses guy, he was a superhero. Just a nobody who became a somebody because he said yes to God. Lord, I pray that my friends today would be encouraged.